Welcome to Project Comedy, a podcast by and for military veterans doing stand-up comedy, turning military banter into quality stand-up comedy acts. We might be veterans, but our comedy aims to get everybody laughing. And we're back again. Yes, we've been away for a while, but why did we give up on comedy? Were we involved in a freak underwater mountain biking accident? Did Gabe get outed for secretly attending line dancing classes? Did Jamie lose his geek card for calling his dungeon master mum? Was Jay arrested again for hanging around the docks servicing sailors? And let's be fair, Gabe looks epic in cowboy boots. Jamie was forgiven when he bought his dungeon master some flowers. He really appreciated those lilies. And who cares if I take in a bit of laundry from the dockyard? Truth is, life got in the way. You name it, it happened. Work, family, therapy, illness, even the malastrom that is Christmas descended upon us. But one thing was constant, the desire to make people laugh. Now we keep in contact on the daily and we noted a common trend in our conversations, fear. Now let's be honest, we're all veterans. We've been in scary situations before. We've stood in harm's way, but doing comedy, there are fears that are different from those of combat, those of military life. But in comedy, your life isn't in danger unless you've really messed up. And the most common statements we get from people when we suggest that they give stand up a go are, oh, I'm not that brave. Oh, that's too scary. Yet we're doing it and we suffer with mental health issues. So. If we have fears and people think this is too scary to do, what's the reality? And that's what we're going to address in this episode. Let's look at the fears we have about being comedians. What makes us nervous? Are they rational fears? And let's compare and contrast those fears to our shared military lives. To do that, I'm joined by the brave. The one, the only, Mr. Gabriel Murphy, a man that eats fear for breakfast. If breakfast is spelt capital Guinness... The legend that is Jamie Johnson, the man that doesn't know the meaning of the word fear because he's illiterate. I mean, for fuck's sake, he thinks dice are allowed to have more than six sides. And I'm Jay Saunders. I can smell fear on other people, then realise it's dribbling down my leg. G'day, gents. How the hell are you? (laughs) Grand. How are you now? So it's been a little while, guys. Good to be back. Have we actually... Have we actually been enjoying our comedy? Because I know, Jamie, you've actually found a couple of open mics in your local area. I have, yeah. There's one in one in the glory hall that's stuck on Trent. So I went there. That was quite good. Um, and there's also also one down near near Birmingham. I'm, I'm hoping to do in the next couple of weeks. Also tapped into a, a, a comedy venue in Nottingham that's that's got some five-minute open mic opens, so I might might pop along to Nottingham, stretch my legs a little bit. Absolutely epic. I mean, and it's it's taking me back, because now I, you know, I started the circuit, what, back in September 2021? And the thought of going back and doing a five again, it's sort of like, my God, that feels so long ago, but you can see how you grow on the circuit when you start on a five. And, of course, uh, just before Christmas, I tried out my heat in the... Um, the semi-finals of the South Coast Comedian of the Year. I wasn't successful. I wasn't successful, but um, I can't be envious. I can't be envious at all because... Um, you were successful. You went. Yeah. I went. Yeah, that was great news. But, I mean, the three that beat me, absolutely fantastic. Um, and the overall winners, uh, please look them up. It's not spelt as it sounds, but look up Plastic Jesus. Um, it's spelt with a Z. They are a duo. They're a double act with ukuleles. They are absolutely outstanding. Hey, I can't beat those guys yet. Yet. So I haven't entered this year's, but I haven't entered yet. And go on, Gabe. Are you taking care of yourself properly, or do we have to come up to Manchester and slap you again? Uh, I think, well, I'm always open for a slap. You know, uh, I'm doing all right, I think. And um, you're writing again, though, aren't you? I mean, you've again, got back yeah. into material writing. Yeah, writing again, getting back into material, doing all the, all the good stuff and clearing the head out, I think, is how you uh, 
you sailor people do it, isn't it? I, mate, it's what keeps me. It's what keeps me in the game. It's. It, it is. I can't believe how much it helps my brain and makes me feel like a human being. Even just the writing process. The gun yeah. Okay, so the it's not hard to find fun, is it? The gift that keeps on giving at the minute. <laughs> Especially yeah. with this fucking conservative government, Jesus Christ! I'm not going to go political early. I'm not no. going to go political early. <laughs> but let, let's let's talk about this one. So fears. Um, we keep on hearing that statement of, "Oh, I'm not brave enough to do comedy." Um, no, it's far too scary. And we we've spoken about it in previous episodes. Like, I can't go into a supermarket. It scares the shit out of me. But I can stand in the corner of a pub for ten minutes and make him laugh. But there are still fears within comedy. Um, so I've made a little list. And let's go. Let's see if these are, are common trends. Are these things that you are scared of and how have you dealt with it? Like um, the first one I put there, and that's true for any comedian, if they've done training or not. The first time they go, do you know what? I'm going to try stand up. The first one is the fear of reaching out for a gig. Does that does has that made any of you nervous? Actually, giving you a crisis of confidence, or went, Jesus Christ, what the fuck am I doing? Actually, reaching out and trying to find your first gig. The big big time for me because I've I've still the only one I've done is that Salford one, and um, and, it, oh, and Project Lucky. Yeah, well, yeah. Anyway, um, the as easy as it would seem to be in Manchester you know, to, to get on the circuit. I'm just finding it incredibly difficult. And I don't know whether it's, I'm finding it difficult or whether it's a lack of confidence, like you say. Oh, no, no, mate, I, I completely get it. I mean, I, look, let's be honest about it. The only reason I've done more gigs than the rest of you is I asked for a gig a lot earlier than you guys. That's the only reason I've done more. Um, Jamie, how did you feel about when you reached out to... Remind me the name of the venue again. It's a really cool venue. Um, it was um, the Bottle Kill, the Comedy Kill. The Comedy it's, Kill. It's above, a, uh, it's above a sort of a microbrewery pub called Bottle Craft. Yeah. And, um, how, how did you feel? How did you feel when you actually reached out to them first time? Did it take you a while to reach out? Well, I found them on found them on the socials, so. I kind of uh, I, I contacted the the guy the guy that runs it and and he said come come as a member of the audience first get a feel mm -hmm. for the place so I did um, it it the vibe I got from it was really good it felt like a real safe um, safe venue um, the audience were engaged so. From that, then I said, "Okay, I'll I'll do a I'll do a five set." He booked me in for a five set. Uh, went a couple of weeks later. The I got a captive audience. They were really on board. Um, halfway through, I had a a brain freeze. Didn't get any heckles. It was really friendly, um, really supportive audience. Got the connection. Um and, and managed to somehow dig out a little bit of my routine that saw me through to the end of my five. My first sort of non-laughing horse, if you were, sort of gig. So my own my own volition. There's um, so much I want to unpack out of that because okay. well, first and foremost, it's sort of like we are so fortunate we've been trained the way we are and the way we train the people underneath us. We were taught that hierarchy of connection, performance material. Your material is the lowest, the connection is the top. The reason your gig went well was connection. When you got out there and you did your first lines and what have you, you connected with the audience. So when you ended up with your brain fart, they were on your side. And when you yeah. came back, they were still on your side. And this is what I want anybody that's listening to this to realize is your material is bottom of the tree. If you can connect to that audience, they'll let you get away with murder and they'll understand that you're new and all that sort of stuff. Um, but the other thing I want to unpack is that was such a good venue because that ticks so many boxes for me of this is a good place to perform. Once you've made your inquiry and they turn around and go, what's your experience? 
right? Okay, that's brilliant. That's a good sign straight away. Um, you're not audience fodder. But asking you to come along and see the venue, bang, that's going to increase your own confidence. You've yeah. seen the room. You see the way it works. That's a good booker. And then afterwards, to have a chat with the booker and go, come on then, come in next week. But again, we're talking about all the great things. And I think I think that's one of the key things I've learned is when approaching new bookers, look at what the booker wants. What do you, If they're running an open mic night, they are so used to brand new acts getting in contact. Their job is to try and get new people on the stage. If it's an established act, if it's a semi-payer and things like that, maybe they're going to be more nervous about taking... Uh, my story, um, there is a gig in South Sea called The Fat Fox. Runs at a pub called The Fox. It's a paying night. It's got a yeah. good social media page. Um, Facebook is your friend for stand-up comedy. The rest of the social media platform... But the thing is, that's the way... It's the way you connect. It's the way you communicate is via Facebook. That's you know, the bookers. That's what they use. Um, so I, I, I messaged them. Message the fact Vox go look. I'm a brand new stand up comic. I've done a few Zoom gigs. I've been trained by these people. Blah 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 blah. The booker went, This isn't the right venue for you. But I run another gig called Puns and Roses over in Cotner. Come along there because it's designed for new acts, new material. Bang. That's the point is you reach out to them, and if they're going to say no, they're probably going to be able to help you to find something else. Yeah, it takes a lot of courage to do it, but they're in the business of finding new people. Comedy only works if there are is there if there's new blood on the circuit. Yeah, it, it's that first step. It's it's comparable to doing drill for the first time. You know, you haven't got a Scooby do what you do. You've just been shown how to do it. You haven't got a Scooby do to do. You need to get out there and practice. Um, and it's through repetition that you become competent. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. The next one I've got on my list is, um, so you turn up, you got your gig, the other comedian's not liking you because it's I'm a truism of comedy. Nobody likes the gig apart from yeah. us. I'm fine with that. The only reason you keep on coming back to the podcast, we're the only people that talk to you. Um, <laughs> but it's... Uh, um, I, I found it's, the opposite to that. I found... Well, I've, I'll chat to anybody, anybody and everybody. And in the green room, before our gig started, I got chatting to the the other the others, um, acts. Um, and you sort of build up a rapport with them. Um, yeah, they, yeah, but they, they chat to you because you're nice. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Just because I'm you not might... a dark, a dark comedian doesn't doesn't you, you can still be you can still be sociable, but be the the spawn of Satan. It, it, you know, it, it's <laughs> <laughs> it's not a barrier, oh, Gabe. <laughs> so, let's be honest about it. Satan has to be very sociable. How else is he going to capture souls? So, yeah, you, you've got to learn how to play with this stuff. <laughs> I, and I, I, I violently agree. I, there are two ways to look at other comedians and, and the way that they engage with you is um, in your early days, if you can make com another comedian laugh, you fucking won. Um, the worst people in a room to get laughing are other comedians. Um, but if they come up to you and turn around and go, have you heard about this gig? Have you heard about this gig? You've won again because they've turned around and went, let's see you out on the circuit. If they're sharing other gigs with you, hurrah, you've done it. Um, if any other comedian speaks to you in the green room or at the back of the pub and what have you, you've won. You have won. If they turn around to you and go, you're shit. There will be a reason why they've said your shit. Yeah, they will turn around and go, it's either been you've done something wrong in the venue, your material 
was unkind, you were punching down or it was inappropriate or what have you. I'm not talking cancel culture. We'll talk about that later on. Um, but you know, if they're going to turn around and complain about anything, it means you've done something wrong in that venue or you've done something wrong to that crowd or you've said something that is borderline illegal. The classic example I'll give is there's a guy I know. He had had a series of, of gigs where he wasn't making the audience laugh. One night he made them laugh. He jumped off the stage cheering and then sat down at a table right in front of the stage and chatted with those members of the audience as other comedians were performing. Fair enough. You know, he had broken the social contract. That's why he got told off. I don't think I'd be that impolite. <laughs> no, I don't, no, I I don't think... anything like that. I'm not, I don't think I would. <laughs> <laughs> Go on then. Are there any fears that you hold that you go, right, I'm nervous about the, you know, not necessarily about this gig, but just something that makes you nervous about performing? Well, they say that you're meant to uh, picture everyone naked, isn't it? And I'm just worried that my family would turn up and I get an erection. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm never performing at a primary school again. It's... <laughs> I suppose the biggest one for any comedian is you're going to stand up there for five minutes and not get a single laugh. Have you ever, have you ever seen that? Ever seen that? That, that was my sort of, I, and I don't, I, I don't class it as a gig, but I do. It was the first, the first sort of improv, the improv, first improper gig I did. It was a, a mate's, I've said before, it was a mate's, acoustic open open mic and he said yeah. come along we've got a variety of acts so i went along i did a five minute stand-up set i got four and a half minutes through it and thought screw this i'm off and the reason for that was all the other um all the other punters in there were the musicians playing and they were just interested in talking to the mates the I could have been, I could have been the cartwheels, backflips, anything on the stage, handing out free money. They probably would would have just sat there and started, you know, who's this, you know, who's this idiot? But it, there's, there's were, were non-plus that was on the stage, basically. But there's such an amazing lived experience that we can give to any other comedian that wants to go out. Jay told us about this when we did our beginners course. When you're finding a gig, don't do a mixed night. And when I say a mixed night, that is where you've got a combination of musicians and comedians. It's never going to work. Um, there used to be one in a, of all places, it was a dining hall marketplace in a, in a department store in Southsea. So, you know, those, you know, those food markets in yeah. the middle of a, of a load of, you know, um, in a mall. Yeah. Who goes who goes to go and eat mall food wanting stand-up comedy? That's a very niche market. <laughs> um who well, goes <laughs> more niche than Gabe's comedy. <laughs> yeah, but it, but you but the, your audience are just people that happen to be in the room rather than people that have gone to see comedy. Yeah. If you've got an open mic night where there are musicians and comedians, it's automatically a route to death because you can turn your back on the stage listening to a musician. You don't turn your back on a comedian, do you? So it's never, ever going to work. Um, so that can reduce your nerves. Don't you? Know, when you're looking for a gig, look for the right kind of gigs. If it says there are musicians on the bill, it's not going to be the right gig. You're going to have to be something fucking outstanding to get them to turn around and laugh at you. Um, I mean, more balls to you, mate. You actually did a full five set to people that were just only there to try and get cheap beer downstairs when there was a bigger party upstairs. Correct. Yeah. I, I, and I've never yet seen an act not get a laugh. They might have only got two or three in five minutes, um, but I've never seen an act 
not get a laugh. Um, so don't worry. As long as you've got a couple of laughs out of your set, you've won. And the way we train people is, and it seems very odd to a lot of other comedians, we, we've had this conversation before, but we've been taught a punchline right. You know, we've been taught minimum eight punchlines a minute. So you're only waiting seven seconds for your next laugh. I've seen guys go up there and do a five-minute set and get four laughs because they've never been trained that stuff. So you should be a slightly more... You know, we can get rid of part of that fear. No laughs very, very rarely. As long as you're in the right venue, as long as you're in the right venue, what a winner. What a winner. Yeah. Any other fears that go through you? You, your favourite joke not getting a laugh. Oh, fuck me. I, I don't know if that's a fear, but it has thrown me on stage. It has thrown me on stage when I, I know this is landing in every other room mm. and I get to it and I tell that gag and not a titter out of them. And I'm there going... Are they on medication? Are they on medication? Have I walked into an old people's home for a re for some reason? <laughs> the rehypnol. <laughs> they, they leave my dating advice out of it. <laughs> Games been on the prowl before you did your set. Oh, that beautiful line of Jimmy Carr's. You know, they're, they're, yeah, the two guaranteed ways of knowing that the woman's right for you is number one, turn around to her and go, Would you hold my pint while I have a shit? If she says yes, she's for you. That's right up there with, Does this, does this tissue smell of chloroform? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I suppose it teaches us something about performance doesn't it it's sort of like um if it doesn't land you can't get upset by it or let it panic you you just gotta go right so i've got to get to my next gag um but you no know, i would admit yeah that terrified well it really freaks me out in a show if i'm actually doing this and go shit where, where, where where's the laugh that that was guaranteed. Every other room I've done it in, it's got me a laugh. Yeah, yeah, that'd be my one. My if my favourite one didn't get a laugh. That'd be, I'd throw me. We're going to pause for a couple of seconds, and we're going to show you how you can join us lunatics and join Project Comedy. Would you like to join Project Comedy? The reality is. It couldn't be much simpler. All you have to do is get on the internet and find your way over to the Project Recce website. That's Project, yeah, the word Project Recce, as in R-E-C-C-E dot org, O-R-G. Have a look in the upper right-hand corner, click on the menu and click on Project Comedy. Scroll down there a bit and you'll find a link that says apply now. That will send an email to one of our ambassadors. If you're even more bored, scroll down a little further and you'll actually see a couple of our ambassadors making tits of themselves on the stand-up comedy stage. Nonetheless, just click on the link, get in contact, and you can be as funny as you wanna be. I think every single comedian, when they get on a stand-up stage and in front of real people, their biggest fear has to be the heckler. Does that make you guys nervous? Personally, yeah, it, may, it doesn't make Gabe nervous because he's yeah. he, he lives. I mean, I've been heckled all my life. <laughs> you don't. You don't. No, no, like no mate. It, no, mate. It's just that you keep on rejecting us. That's why we keep <laughs> on having to tell you we love you. You don't you don't have a face like mine and not know how to take a take a bit of shit about it, you know what I mean? <laughs> face? It's the accent. It's the accent. Forget the fucking face, big boy. Amy accent's good. <laughs> I think somebody heckling me or telling me I was bad would just kick my imposter syndrome into overdrive. I mean, I'm already telling myself I'm I'm no good. I don't need anybody else <laughs> confirming for me, even though it's not true. Um, so yeah, here's, I, right, I here's the thing. I've not been in the situation before, but my belief is that is that I, I would freeze. Whether I actually would or not, I'm not sure. 
and this is what I've witnessed. Let, let's think about the psychology of a heckler. And hopefully this can actually bring down our fears and show us ways to actually deal with it. Why is somebody going to heckle you? Now, it's going to be one of two reasons. Well, sorry, one of three reasons, actually. One, you're fucking useless and they're angry with you. Now, they would have been heckling all the way through the night. If that person just doesn't like comedy or what have you, they'll be heckling all the way through the night so you can prepare for it. But I've never actually seen a comedian get heckled in that fashion, any open micer and what have you, just literally be told, you're shit. You should have something in your brain to deal with it. The classic I saw was, and this is going back years, there was a young comedian, and when I say young, he was about 14 on the stage, and somebody turned around and went, you're shit. And he instantly replied, thanks, Dad. It was a brilliant <laughs> way to, we, if somebody just says you're shit, you should have something in the back of your brain going, what is my response to that? Uh, you know, so for example, for me, the one I've been carrying around is if somebody just goes, you're shit, I went, stop talking to my dog like that. It's just a way <laughs> to give me enough brain space to get away from what they've said. Um, the next one is they object to your material. So what are you going to do about that? And with those, at my stage in my career, it's ignore them. Just carry on, get to the next punchline. If I can get the punchline rate up and I've got laughs coming in, what are they going to complain about? If I've got the rest of the room laughing, why am I going to deal with it? The majority of heckles are from people that either think they're funnier than you or think that they're adding to the evening. I'll call them the well-intentioned heckler. Um, and you can ride those. You can play with them. I had the brain fart when I did my last Puns and Roses. Yeah. I completely lost it. So I tried to cover it up with, look, this is the only way you can get away with being a stand-up comedian, take an assistance dog on the stage. Somebody then turns around and goes, he's got better tits than you. I don't know where it came from. I just responded, and his balls are far bigger than mine. They're fucking glorious. And the room and came back landed. to me. Yeah, that landed so well. That did. He, he actually did you a favour by heckling you. Yeah. And I think that's what we need to remember about hecklers, is they either think they're funnier than you, that's rare, or they think they're helping the gig out. So don't be so afraid of them unless they turn around and go, oi, your West country wanker, your views are out of date. Do I need to worry about them? No. If they're chipping in, see if you can find a way to ride it. Be on their side. You could even, you know, if somebody goes, you're shit. You know, love you too, darling. It, it's, it's how do you disarm what's coming your direction? I, I'll be honest, Jamie, I know you've heckled. Didn't you, you didn't you see Alan didn't you see Alan Carr and ask where's Jimmy? I did. <laughs> he put That's me like... down really well. He said uh, I can still remember it. Um he, he done his first he done his sort of first punchline and there's a tiny bit of dead air. And I said, uh, where's Jimmy? And then he said, <laughs> Where's Alan? You hear all that silence in the room. That's for you, that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah very good and, and that's the point most hecklers you will encounter are well intentioned yeah it's very rare you'll end up with this is why you shouldn't watch too much youtube tiktok or dvds yeah you'll see the extreme of the extremes uh yeah, yeah the karen saying you're not allowed to say it i've got i've got one point and when when you haven't got the audience connection or, or or they they choose not to connect with you for whatever reason, they start talking amongst themselves. And and, and my mate who was the headliner at the gig I went yeah. to, he just turns on them and he he just he just berates them. He, he just <laughs> yeah. he puts them down, and and that gets a laugh. Uh, so oh mate, you can do that so beautifully. It's just really offensive to him. Because they've been offensive to him, so good on him, you know. It's yeah, so rude. Shut them down. 
that that side of it though is so rude. Can you imagine just imagine just going to a doctor's and just like completely ignoring him and then just talking to someone else or anything else like you know? And that is that's a standard response to it. I've seen it several times. I've done it once myself, where suddenly a conversation breaks out near the front row and you just stop because you're in power. You are in power. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. Am I am I stopping your conversation here? And they will respond to it. It's okay. Let's see if we can get it sorted out at your table. What's going on? She doesn't know if she likes her gin and tonic. Oh, shall I go and ask the bar staff? What? Oh, hang on. I'm fucking working. Why don't you go and ask them then? <laughs> yeah. Remembering that you're in power can be so useful when people are being rude like that. Just pausing you in. What's the problem? Oh, you don't have a problem. You're just being a rude prick. You don't necessarily say those words, but actually asking what they're discussing, it's sort of like, yeah, it's not that fucking important. Fuck off. I, I'd say, I'd say, uh, sorry, you're just being a fucking rude cunt, aren't you? <laughs> just rebrief the other one. <laughs> the one that links me into, because as you boys both know, I went through a big wobble with this only a couple of weeks ago. Um, the fear of cancel culture, the fear you're not allowed to tell those type of jokes, the fear you're not allowed to use those words. Well, you know, I'm, I mean, you know how politically correct all of my stuff is, so I don't have that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I was terrified about it because I, I particularly remember about my LGBTQ plus one gag, you know. Yeah, which I still adore. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I like it, but I was because there was obvious members of that community there, and yeah, I mean, I might be a bit of a bear, but I, you know, I, I don't think I'm a part of that community. In fact, I've actually been told um, I went to a gay pride event once, and I got told I wasn't allowed in because I was too straight. <laughs> 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 I mean, personally, I think it was just that they didn't want ugly people in there, <laughs> you know. No, no, anyway. no, you you realise what the problem there was, Gabe, don't you? Every male erection is supposed to have some kind of curve in it, otherwise it's painful. So that's why you were too straight. Your erection <laughs> doesn't have I, a curve I, I, I in don't it. know, but... <laughs> it, was, it was mad. It was just... I was just worried about offending people because I, I never want to be offensive as such and that's yes. that's probably yes. going to sound so weird anyone listening to this especially if you've heard me at, at download or anything like that but no, yeah. no, no, no no i think that's i think that's really important we can be risque we can be challenging we can be dark but we don't and we you know we we might say some things that are offensive but we don't want to be offensive ourselves that's a big difference between the two yeah, do you know that? But this is how stupid I am. I always just thought that was a gay, a gay risky when people said risque. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, don't have, I don't have that fear because one of the joys of having the green room is we can test out of the material and bounce ideas off each other. So we kind of iron out the kinks of what might not work. Um, well, let, let, let's be honest about what happened in my last gig. Um, absolutely, one of my gags was funny as fuck, but I couldn't tell it. I could not tell it. Yeah. Um, to explain it to our audience, I had a gag. I'm not going to tell the gag, but it involved um, a false equivalence and used the N-word, describing my dog as the N-word. All right, not me, a member of the audience, anything else, describing my assistant's dog as the N-word. But being a white heterosexual male, I've got no right to use that word. No matter how fucking funny it was, somebody in the room could take that really, really badly. So there are certain absolutely taboo words. The N-word, the P-word. I just sounded um, it was Gabe that the, was the litmus paper that says. <laughs> I cannot believe that Gabe turned around to me and went, Jay, you can't fucking say that, mate. I mean, that 
That was the moment I went, fucking hell, I've crossed a fucking line here. If Gabe oh, is see. telling me I cannot sell that gag. Oh, I see. So you're blaming me for your fucking wobble, are you? Hey. No, no, uh, no, no. My wobble. Fine. My, my wobble came from the next one. Yeah, from me. From um, the, <laughs> my wobble came from the next one, which was um I use the punchline and I'm gonna say it so trigger warning for anybody who wants to be you know uh, warned about a trigger. I use the word spastic. It's not a nice word, it's a horrible word. We used to have the spastic society. Um, it is a known medical condition, cerebral palsy. Yes, we're all, but considering I have a psychiatric disability, the number of times I've been called a spastic because I have a psychiatric disability, I believed I had the right to use it. Now, I was told by a couple of the other comedians performing that night and the booker for that night going, can't use that word. Unless you have got cerebral palsy, you can't use it. I used it. I refused to listen to them. And the joke landed so well that even those comedians turned around to me and went, yeah, you've proved me wrong. You can <laughs> use a word in context. If you can prove that you've got a connection to that word, to that community, you can use. But you know what I was like for the two days before? I wasn't going to perform. It absolutely yeah. destroyed my head. Yeah. I think it was George Carlin that said it's a comedian's job to find out where the line is and then gently step across it. <laughs> and and I, I've just realised, just for the concept, you know, because this is the podcast, I've now got to tell the gag. I've now got to tell the gag because there are people who are going to be wondering what the fuck did, how did he get away? So the gag was... No, uh, come and see him. <laughs> <laughs> and it's on our YouTube channel as a training video. But the gag was... Get off your ass, come and see it. <laughs> but the gag was, it's sort of like, uh, why do I have an assistance dog? It's very simple. It's because I'm disabled. But please don't say the phrase to me. Oh, you don't look disabled. How the fuck am I supposed to react to that statement? Oh, why, thank you so much. I'm so glad I don't look like a spastic. Would it make you feel better if I went and dribbled a bit? How about if I started licking the occasional window? It was a part of a sequence of gags. Yeah. It was just one word in a sequence of gags, but the people around me had focused on, they knew I was going to use one word. They didn't know where it was going to fit. Have you ever self-edited a gag out of fear because you're there going, I can't talk about that topic or I can't use that word? Nah, fucking. <laughs> <laughs> Gabriel Murphy, here for the First Amendment of the United Kingdom. <laughs> Not that we have the First Amendment, but you fucking American listeners will love Gabriel Murphy. He'll say fucking anything. <laughs> Just like verbiage, I, I, and, and to me swearing. If I if I don't see it appropriate to swear, I'll I'll slightly alter it. Say freaking or fun instead of the obvious. Oh, I, I love that. I love using fun instead of fuck because it can end up making the gag even funny. For fun's sake, is funnier at times than for fuck's sake. Yeah, and you with your coconut. I, I, I do, I, and I'm not sure if that's my own gag. I'm sure I heard that somewhere before. You know, yeah, I called myself a misogynistic coconut. You've heard the term coconut before. Begins in C, ends in T, and it's got UN in the middle of it. I'm not sure that's my own gag, but I do, I do like that. Yeah, I like that. But even though you know how much I love the word cunt, as much as coconut. No, come. <laughs> How about let's let's let, let's mix it up a bit. Let's mix it up a bit. How about you end up pitching up to a gig, and it's definitely a bad venue. Are you now going to live through fear and go? Are you going to do one of two things? Are, are you going to perform? Are you going to fuck off? Or are you going to feel like this is a def, uh, is a dead night? Uh, I think fucking off would be a bit stronger, Jay. Actually, oh, language is terrible. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd play. Fucking off. <laughs> yeah, I'd probably fuck off, mate. To be honest, if it, if it looked like 
a shit thing. I'd just be like, oh, I'll see you later, man. And I'll give you a top tip because I've ended up doing this twice. Don't fuck off. Don't leave. Um, because the biggest thing you're doing there, let's remember when we're early on the circuit, when we're open micers, the audience isn't the most important person you need to impress. That's who we want to impress. It's the booker and the other comedians. You want a relationship with them. If you turn around and go, this is not the room for me and leave, are you going to get booked again? I know. I mean, I meant like if I if I turned up and it was just like a load of comedians, um, a load of fucking musicians or something like that. Like, oh, you know what I mean? Like if it was wrong. If venue. I had been booked in, yes. No, no, no. I, no, sorry. I I will go back on myself with that. If I turned up to a gig, I've been told it's a stand, open mic comedy night, and I'm the only comedian. I'll turn around and go no, because who am I setting a relationship with? I'm not setting a relationship with that booker. I'm not setting a relationship with the musician. No, violently agree with you on that. That's but if what, it was a comedy, Jamie, you, you've got far bigger balls than I have, mate. You were walking around like Randy Marsh when he had fucking cancer. Fucking like right. Fucking you amazing. got bigger balls than my dog. I mean, that was fucking impressive. Just... I'll give you the example of my gig. Um, we've spoken about it before on yeah. the podcast. I did a gig at a pub called The Shepherd's Crook. It was just before Christmas last year. Um nine comedians booked the we asked for the jukebox to be turned down so we could start the set and the landlord went no i've got to entertain my customers that was our first sign first act gets on the stage and a christmas party of pompey girls sits in front of the stage and starts dancing we every last one of us comedians got on the stage and did our set it was just to impress the other comedians and the booker to go, now nah, fuck it, you ain't fucking stopping us. It was a horrific night, absolutely horrific, but it was remembering who's the most important relationship in this room. Mm. And at that stage, it was the booker and the other comedians. We, comedians, still talk about that night. It is like a badge of honour. It's like we've got our purple heart. We did the shepherd's crook and nobody else did the shepherd's crook. So you don't know what a bad gig is like. It was so worthwhile. To, I didn't want to do it. Fucking did it. It is important to do those. And don't forget the other comedians, like we said before, they, they are your guidebooks. They are they your signposts to future gigs. And they'll go to another gig, a new gig that's never been heard, and they'll put your name up and turn around. Oh, have you heard of Jamie Johnson? Have you heard of uh, Gabe Murphy? Have you heard of Jay Saunders? Bang, suddenly you get a Facebook message. You're interested in a gig at such and such a venue because you've had the balls to go through with it. Okay, here's here's the uncomfortable one. We'll, we'll return to something more fun after it. Um, three of us, veterans with mental health issues um how big of a fear thing is that how how much does that add into the fear of performing <laughs> you put me on <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a difficult quote from gabriel murphy is <laughs> yeah it makes me feel bleh. it puts you on the back foot i think if, if your if your mental health starts playing up just just before you're going to get on stage, it, it's gonna, it's gonna screw you over. Um, oh, me and man, I, I, I've had a fair few wobbles, like you know, and obviously with changes in medication and stuff like that, and and yeah, I'll drinky. Um, it's it's never a good mix, but you know, it's kind of like it's it's a living with a thing, isn't it? It's just like any other disability, really. You know, you'll have someone who's not got a leg anymore keeping on trying to put on put on two shoes. You know, yeah. every now and then they'll or someone who's had a stroke, they'll, they'll go off and get in the shower with the clothes on. You know, it, it's just something you kind of got to get by with, isn't it? It's how, who we are now. And it's kind of magical, isn't it? It's um, I mean, I keep on saying it in the podcast. I can't go to the supermarket. I can do a gig. There's a reason for that. My mental health gets in the way before and after a gig. It doesn't get in the way of a gig because I've actually worked out a nice. So I had the massive wobble 
before I did the Punts and Roses gig. I was second guessing every one of my gags. I was second guessing my ability as a comedian and what have you. I went to the gig and I performed because I've now learned a routine of what the gig is like. I can forecast it. I arrive, I say hello to the other comedians, I check out the other room, I start chatting with them. I might have a drink before. Top tip for every comedian, if you're going to have a drink before, moderate it. Do not get lashed up. I have seen comedians fail massively because they're pissed out of their tits before they get on the stage. You've destroyed yourself. Drinking at moderation is the only maximum you can have at a comedy gig. And then the mental health issues will happen to me afterwards. Was I funny enough? Did I offend that audience member? Blah, blah, blah. It never actually interferes with the performance, with the night of a gig. Your mental health issues will happen before and after. They don't happen during because you can forecast, you can write down what's going to happen. I think that's because while you're delivering your sets, you're in control. You're on stage, you're, 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 you're reciting your material. You can't control your emotions going up to the gig and you certainly can't control once you've walked off the stage, that's it, you, you're done. So anything else is beyond your control, you know? So, yeah. The only, thing, the only thing I can compare it to is explaining contact drills to a civilian. And they look at you going, you fucking moron. Mm. If you come under contact in, in theatre and the first thing we're trained to do is run towards where the point of contact comes from. You're being shot at from the right, you run right. You find shelter, blah, blah, and then you start engaging in the fight. You don't think about it when contact happens. You hear that first round, you react. And that's what the entire night of a gig is about. It's sort of like I get on, I get off the boat. I walk to the ferry. I get on the bus. I'm running through my route. I'm suddenly in my contact drills. It's I've overtrained myself that I turn off my natural barriers it's the bits outside of those contact drills that can cause you the you know cause you the problems. You, know, you don't need to worry about the night. Okay, your first performance, yeah, because you're still learning your contact drills. You may you may have learned card alpha. You may have actually done a couple of simulations and what have you. The first contact is your first contact. Once you've done a couple, it becomes body memory. It's what happens before or after is where your mental health can impact on you you're on a high when you're on the stage or more to the point you're just running on adrenaline when you're on the stage yeah. i always love that about contact drills you know you you get the get the the location of the fire and the second one was win the firefight you're like, all right <laughs> thanks for giving me an option there <laughs> thanks for that <laughs> cheers boss win the firefight what if we don't well we win the firefight. So. <laughs> <laughs> you don't go past stage Failure two. Failure is not an option. One. <laughs> the only other one I've got on my list here at the moment, I'm just checking through blah, 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 blah. We've covered all of that. The only one I've got left on the list, and I don't know if this is genuine fear or not, something that made me nervous. Um, back in my Zoom date, because it was a gig we were talking about earlier, um, Anti-military audience members. How are you going to deal with that? Is that something? That you, the reason I put it in there, I did an amazing show. Uh, during all of the lockdowns, there's an amazing gig over in Derry, London Derry, uh, whichever Derry. your allegiance is. Um, there's a club there called Brannigan's. Uh, during the lockdowns, and they're still doing it now, They've got a comedy night called Chicken Box. Um, I'll have to get Gabe to explain what a fucking chicken box is, but it's apparently better than getting a Donner kebab. Anyway, um, they've got Chicken Box comedy. I did a gig with them, explained who I was, and they just went, right, British military veteran. I wouldn't talk about being a British military veteran when doing your routine. Brilliant. I got a forewarning, had a great night. However, comma, one night, the first time I did the gig... I was there in front of the camera. I'm feeling big and proud. Looked at myself in the camera, went, fucking hell, I'm wearing a Help for Heroes sweatshirt. 
quick, get this off before the camera turns on to me for life. And it made me a little bit flustered for the beginning. But I've not yet encountered an audience member. Now, maybe that's because of where I live. I, I live on the South Coast. I live in Gosport, sorry, Gosport um, right next to Portsmouth. Uh, they're used to the military. They'll call us skates from time to time, but we don't tend to be massively anti-military. But I've not yet had an anti-military audience member. But is it something I should be nervous about? I don't know. Is it something that's ever made you cautious or nervous? No, I've dealt with anti-military all my life and my career. You know, I've constantly had it. So I think I think if there was any anti-military people there, I'd, I'd jump in with them because... I'm fairly anti-military these days. <laughs> <laughs> ditto, ditto. I, I'm, I'm going to chuck in the comedy coldy sack. Did anybody watch Warship on Monday night about the Queen Elizabeth? Yes. Yes. Oh, did. my God. I'm sorry. I'm a lifelong sailor. Yes, I've got more sand in my veins than I do have salt. Jesus Christ. I'm there going... What the fuck is going on? That is not the greatest portrayal of... I think we're bigger critics about military programmes than the civilians are. I was just watching this go, this is massively embarrassing. I'm so terrified. So you should be embarrassed now. <laughs> you're, you're just upset that you weren't in the Navy with me, so you could be my bum bunk in the, in the cabin next along the corridor from me, mate. Come on, carry on. Oh, darling. My captain, my captain. Sweetheart, I've always told you it's only okay if you push back. <laughs> it was nice to see all the crabs behaving themselves. I didn't they, see a they were single too crab busy in there. Say again. I didn't see a single crab in the program. I just saw US Marines. Oh no, we were hiding behind them. As usual. That sounds about right for the Royal Air Force. I'm sorry, <laughs> I said that out loud. But um anti-military audience. That's not something you should be nervous about? I've never encountered it, but I, it wouldn't be something that I'd be nervous about now. So let's let's wrap it up then. Let's have a look at what we've spoken about tonight. This is just the order it's written down there. Reaching out for a gig. We shouldn't be nervous about that. That shouldn't scare us. because so we should put it into the context of bookers are looking for new acts. That's what they're all about. Agreed? Uh-huh. Yeah. Other comedians not liking you. Is that something we should be worried about? If I'd be worried about everyone not liking me. <laughs> well, no, uh, let, let's throw it back. Let's go back to the... Um, I know you, what you know mean. what my brain is doing. Let, 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 I've, got to, I've got to do the mental reset before I say the word. The sulfur gig. Did I get it right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. The sulfur gig. How did the other comedians react to you that night? Oh, they, I thought they were all... Everyone was having a really good time, wasn't they? Everyone and members of that community that you were telling jokes about were actually performers that night. Yeah. So, yeah, you shouldn't be nervous of other comedians because as long as, you, as long okay. as your jokes are funny, as long as your punchline rate is up, and as long as your intent is right, why should you be nervous about other comedians? Um, okay, next one. A laugh without... Uh, a, a night with no laughs in your set. Is that re is that really gonna happen? In mine, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bollocks, bollocks. It's that point. I go back to that point of look at the way we're trained. Connection performance material with eight punchlines a minute. What is the likelihood, honestly, the likelihood of having no laughs? Slim to none. If you've been through a green room, if you've been through a green room, are you going to do a five set without a laugh? No. Bad venues. I think we talked talk that one through. Yeah. Guaranteed gag not landing. I don't think that's necessarily a fear. I think that's something we need to be prepared for in our performances. Council culture. Should that be something we're feared about? Uh, nah. It's it's always going to be a thing, isn't it? Uh, I think if you're going to be worried about that, you could be worried about a ton of other, other other more pressing things. And I think it's something in your in your material writing. 
that you've already dealt with it. If you think you're going to say something horrible or offensive, you would have cut it beforehand. I'd have probably added it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I, I found funny this week, sort of regarding cancel culture? It's um, it's it's the Pink Floyd "Dark Side of the Moon" fiftieth. Oh my god! Sorry, before you before you say it, mate. Before you say, yeah, it, you probably know. I got, I got a GCSE one in music. Um, so when I was sixteen, so that's nineteen eighty five. My principal piece of music I had to listen to was "Dark Side of the Moon." I know that album cover. You tell the story now, mate, because it makes me laugh my fucking tits off. <laughs> well, uh, it's the first time I've ever heard a prism being described as woke. <laughs> <laughs> Floyd have gone woke. No, it's a freaking prism, you dingbat. Have you never seen the album cover? <laughs> I, what the fuck? Oh, they put a rainbow in the zero. No, they haven't. They replicated the album in the zero, you fucking muppet. <laughs> Shine on, you crazy diamond. And I don't care what fucking gender, sex or religion you are. Fuck off. <laughs> it did make me laugh, though. I like how people. I'm going to leave that one to the last anti uh, anti military audience members. I don't think we need to worry about that. Heckling, heckling is actually once you un actually sit down and think what heckling actually means. Why is somebody going to heckle? And I, I would reckon I've not had to use it, but I would recommend if somebody just turns around and says you're shit, think of a single line you want to say back. But the biggest one for I'm going to say our core audience. Not that we have one, um, but our core audience that we aim for is military veterans, mental health issues. Um, should that be a fear? It, should, it shouldn't be a fear, but, you know, I, th I think having a knowledge of it and an understanding of it, especially... Awareness, is, awareness is amazing. I'm going to, and I've been gobbing off all night, but I'm going to turn around and go, do you know what? This is amazing therapy. Yeah. The therapy I get out of stand, even just the writing, forget about the performing, the therapy I get out about, if you've got a mental health issue, do comedy. Mm -hmm. Get on the stand-up circuit, you'll realise every other fucker's got a mental health issue. Um, <laughs> just because you've got a mental health issue through service, well fucking done, mate. Nobody's going to slap you on the back and thank you for your service. Get on the stage and make somebody fucking laugh. You don't need to worry about it on the stage. It's managing it before and after. Yeah. It's the bit on the stage that, that makes the before and after worthwhile. Fucking right. Fucking right. Anything else you want to add, gentlemen? It's, <laughs> let's not make it so long till the next one. Yeah. <laughs> We're actually trying to be realistic about Project Comedy. We're trying to bring people into it. So whereas we used to always try and do a podcast episode once a week, we're going to change that now and do it once a fortnight so we can bring people in on our record nights to our green rooms. So hopefully we'll be with you in two weeks' time with another episode. But this episode would not have been possible without Project Recce. Thank you so much, guys. Really appreciate you. But more importantly for me, I couldn't have done it without the two legends that I'm on the mic with. Thank you so much, Gabe. Thank you so much, Jamie. More than welcome, Tom. It's a pleasure. And also, I've got to thank our Lord and Saviour, Mr. Jay Sodegar, for kicking <laughs> the whole thing off. <laughs> the glorious Jay Moister. We love you loads, mate. And um, I understand a load of I've been Sodegard listen to this podcast, so hopefully we haven't bored you too much. But as we always do, we'll leave you with a few words about how you can follow not only us as Project Comedy on social media, but how you can follow Project Recce and support us in every one of our endeavours. And you never know, by the next episode, we might have some excited news on how you can follow us a little bit more closely. So, until next time. Not down the street. <laughs> not since that restraining order. <laughs> I love the way you just spoiled my outro. Love right. you all. Until next time.
If you want to see what we're actually like on stage, please have a look at our YouTube channel. Search for Project Comedy, Veterans Doing Stand-Up, and look for our black and white logo that's exactly the same as the one we use for this podcast. You can also now follow us on Twitter. We can be found at Proj Comedy. That's at P-R-O-J Comedy. I'm E.J. Saunders. I can be found on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter if you look for Comic J Saunders. That's all one word with the letter J in the middle. Comic J Saunders. Thanks again to everyone that's taken part in this episode. Until next time. Thanks for listening to the Project Comedy Podcast. Please support our veterans as they continue their comedy journeys. To find out more, including gigs our veterans are doing, please search for the Project Comedy Group on Facebook, where you'll also find links to Project Recce, the veterans charity that makes Project Comedy possible.